Thank you, Matt, for a good message that we all need to be reminded of constantly in our lives. Young mother came walking into the kitchen one day and discovered her four-year-old daughter was sitting in front of the table. She had a big sheet of paper in front of her and all of her crayons scattered out. And she walked over and she said, so honey, what are you doing? I'm drawing. Well, what are you drawing a picture of? I'm drawing a picture of God. Now, honey, we all believe in God and we all know that God is there for us, but we can't see him. Nobody knows what God looks like. Little girl looked up at her mom and said, well, they will when I get done. (laughs) You know, what she said about God is kind of the same way we feel about heaven. We know that heaven is out there. We know that it's a place that God has prepared for us. We understand that's the place believers go when they die. But most people only have a vague idea of what it is like when you describe a place like heaven. David called heaven the house of the Lord. Jesus himself described it as my father's house. But the truth is, none of us know anybody who has been there and come back to describe this is what heaven is like. The temptation is to say, well, I guess we'll never really know a lot about what heaven is like. But the truth is, the Bible has a lot to tell us about that place where we're going to live forever. So as we begin to move toward the conclusion of the 23rd Psalm, and as David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, I think it would be good for us to know this is what the Bible tells us about God's forever place. So I want us to jump in and learn a little bit about God's house. For instance, we need to know this. Heaven is a real place. Someone has said this, what you think of when you talk about God is the most important thing about you. When you use that term, what do you mean? And people believe a lot of different things about God. And I think the same thing can be true about heaven. What you mean when you use that term heaven means a lot about who you are. Had a conversation not very long ago, and that conversation is one that people are having all the time. And it was this. Well, you know, when everything is said and done and everything is wound up, the truth is probably no matter who you are or what you believe, we're all going to end up in heaven together. Everybody in the end will go to heaven. Well, here's the problem. When you talk about that place you're going to go after you die, and whether you describe it as heaven or some other place, you can mean a lot of different things. For instance, some people think that when you go to heaven, it's a place of fluffy clouds and angels flitting around, and somehow or another there's no such thing as an angel that's older than about a year and a half old because that's what the greeting cards tell us. And they think that is heaven. Some religions teach that when you go to heaven, then all of a sudden you're set free to to commit all of the things that were sinful here on earth. But in heaven, it's all open. So let's just do all of those sinful things. Some people believe when you die and when you go to heaven, all you're doing is really becoming part of this universal consciousness 
that floats around the earth and you don't really have a personal life anymore and there's nothing about you that really exists. You just kind of become one with the universe. What do you mean when you talk about heaven? Well, you know, some people will talk about it in very general terms. So what is heaven? Heaven is the sweet by and by. Well, what exactly does that mean? Some people will say heaven is that land that is fairer than day. And that's fine, but what does that mean? My guess is this. If you ask people to describe heaven, not many people would be able to describe it the way the Bible describes it. You see, God's Word offers specific material descriptions of heaven. It's a place that is real. It's not as real as this building. It's not as real as this pulpit that I'm touching. Heaven is much more real. It is that eternal place that God has created. So how does the Bible describe heaven? Well, first it does say this. It says heaven is a created place. Genesis 1-1, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And if we're not careful, what we think is it's saying God made the sky and the ground, but it's not. It's saying at the very beginning, when time began to be kept for the first time, Rich, God created this place called heaven and this place called earth. At the beginning of all creation, God had in mind this eternal place where his people were going to dwell and be with him forever. And it was a very real, created place. It came into existence through the plan and the hand of God. He designed it exactly the way he wanted it to be, and it continues to be exactly that way today. Heaven is not an idea. It's not drifting clouds. It's not a place that will come into being someday. It is real. Heaven is the place where God's glory dwells. More than anything else, when you get to heaven, you will be conscious of the very fact that you are in that place where God is. Not only that, the Bible says heaven is a physical place. We can know something about what heaven looks like because the Bible gives us a description. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 21. The Bible says, uh, I got to make these glasses work. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And also she had great and a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. And the city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are all equal. And he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel. 
And the construction of its walls was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony. And if I'm mispronouncing jewels, feel sorry for Judith because you know what that means. The fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Now you read that scripture and you recognize we're not saying so heaven is this elusive kind of place. It's kind of this wispy, cloud-like existence where people go. The Bible is saying it is a physical place. What do we know about heaven? We know it has substance. It is a place that can be measured. We know it is a place of beauty beyond imagination, that it reflects the abundant hand of God. One of the things you recognize is when God talks about this place called heaven, he is saying this is the place that is filled with the very best of everything that I have created in all of the universe. Wherever you turn and whatever you see will reflect the beauty of the best that God has to offer. And it is perfect in plan and execution. It is exactly what the Lord had in mind. Some people will argue, well, this is not a literal description of heaven. There's not really going to be walls encrusted with real jewels or gates made out of a single pearl or streets of gold. Those are all just symbols, ideas of what heaven's going to be like. Even if their argument was true, a biblical principle would apply to God's kingdom. In the Bible, the lesser always points toward the greater. So if you make the argument, it's not exactly like that, then what you have to say is, and what it is really like is more, so much more, abundantly more. But the truth is, God has told us there's this place it is real and it is physical and it is a place of overwhelming beauty the Bible tells us that heaven is God's dwelling place let me share something with you that you may not realize there's something that you will never be able to do in heaven not in all of eternity to come will you ever have the opportunity and you're thinking well of course that's true You can't sin in heaven. You can't lie in heaven. You can't be wrong in heaven. But I'm not talking about all of those things. I'm talking about a very good thing. Something that is essential for a serious Christian today. You know what you will never be able to do in heaven? You will never be able to go to church. Not in heaven. Revelations 21, 22 says this. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Why is it that in heaven you'll never be able to go to church? Because you're always going to be with the Lord. You will forever be in his presence. 
You won't need a church to remember to worship. You won't need a place to go and seek his face. You will always be with him. You see, the thing that makes heaven, heaven is not the streets of gold or the eternal day. The thing that makes it heaven is that God dwells there with his own. It is God's place. What is heaven going to be like? It's going to be a very real place. It's going to be a very real place where you are forever in the presence of the Lord. Not only that, the Bible tells us that heaven is God's forever place. David declared, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long is forever? How will you know when forever is beginning to run out? The truth is, we don't know anything about forever. Everything we've ever touched and everyone we've ever known only lasts for a little while. You can buy something tomorrow. It may be as small as a toaster and as big as a new house. It could cost a dollar. It can cost a million dollars. Anything you buy is going to have one thing in common. They're not going to last. Everything you can touch is in the process of becoming worn out, used up, or out of date. If I ask you this morning to point to something in this world you know is going to last forever. You might think, well, I can point to an ancient structure like a pyramid and say the pyramid will be here forever. I can go and look at a majestic mountain and say the mountains are going to be here forever. But the truth is, nothing lasts forever. Here's the hard part, including you on this planet, including you in this place. Nothing and nobody lasts forever. You've probably heard me say before. You'll probably hear me say again. Everything that you can lay your hands on in this world is either going to leave you or you're going to leave it. The end. We just don't know much about forever. But God's place is forever. John continued in Revelation 22 and said, He showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. When does forever wear out? Never. Not at any time. When we get to heaven, everything we touch, everything we uh, see, everyone we're in contact with 
will last forever. In God's forever place, everything that reminded us that our days were limited, heartaches and pain and decay and death will never be seen again. The Bible says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Heaven is a real place. It's God's place. It's God's forever place. There's one promise the Bible makes that is the most precious one of all. Heaven is home. It is home. David declared, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How will it feel when we leave this world to spend eternity in heaven? Jesus himself gave us the answer. We read it together a few moments ago. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. When we go to heaven we'll be going to be with our Savior. We'll be going to dwell in that place prepared for us. We will be going home. And that's how it's going to feel. Heaven is home. It's not a museum. It's not a show place. It is a home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And what he meant was a very personal, very real, very special home for you. Years ago, Charles Spurgeon told a wonderful story about a pastor who had been orphaned as a child. He'd been sent to live with his Aunt Martha who loved him and raised him with great love and tenderness helped him become the man that God had in mind for him to be years went by and he received word that it was time to come home because Aunt Martha was gravely ill and he rushed to her side and he sat by her bedside and she confessed to him she said listen I know my heart is right with God I know that Jesus is my savior but I'm still afraid what's it going to be like when I die and this is what he told her he said you remember when I first came to live with you I was so sad my life had been torn to pieces and somebody put me on a train and they sent me to where you were and and I hoped that when I got to the train station you would be there to greet me but you weren't there yet you'd sent one of the men who worked for you And he was waiting for me and he told me everything was ready and it was all going to be all right. He said, we got into a carriage and for a while it was very dark. But then I saw a candle in the distance. And the closer we got, the brighter it became. 
You placed it there in the window to welcome me. And when I arrived, you threw open the door of your house and you swept me into your arms. You had a hot meal waiting just for me. You had a room prepared just the way I liked it. You put me into a warm bed. And then he said, you said the most important thing to me. I will never forget what you said. You said to me, you will never be a guest in this house. This is your home. One day soon, death is going to come calling for you, he told her. For a little while, you may fear that you're alone, but soon you will see a light, and soon you will come face to face with the Savior. And you will encounter his love, and you will experience his welcome. And you will know you are home. For everyone who belongs to Jesus, heaven is home. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's forever. But most of all, it is home. And it's home for everybody who belongs to him. And here's the best news of all. And God's home can be your home as well. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the things that is true about you is this. You can know that heaven is God's plan for your life. You can know that when your days on this planet come to an end, that you will go to be with him. There's no one who's not invited to come to God's house. 1 Timothy 2.3 describes the Lord as the one who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Does God want me? Would God accept me? Is there a place for me? The Bible says the answer is yes. God has prepared a way for everyone who uh, will to come and live with him forever. In fact, almost the last thing recorded in the Bible is a personal invitation. Because the Bible says the spirit and the bride say, Come and let him who hears say, Come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. What is God saying to you if you're not yet a Christian? What is God saying to you if you've been a believer most of your life? What does God say? What is God saying to you if you recognize my time's not going to be long? You know what he's saying? Come. Come. There's a place ready for you. And there's a way for you to go to heaven. How can you know? How can you know that when you die, you'll be in heaven? Jesus revealed the answer in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. What's the way to heaven? Very simply, the way is Jesus. The way is Jesus, the one who died for you and rose from the dead, the one who offers to forgive your sins 
and to grant you eternal life. The one who said to you, I go to prepare a place for you, is getting ready for you to come home. But you can't find your way by yourself. And you can't believe that any old way will lead to heaven. And you dare not believe that everybody's going to go to heaven whether they accept Jesus or reject him. You've got to know there's only one way. And that way is Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. So I guess I ask you this morning, have you ever placed your eternal hope on Jesus Christ who loves you and gave himself for you? Or is today the day when you need to receive him as your own Savior? Where are you placing your hope for eternity? Unless it's in Jesus, you really need to make that decision today. And in a moment, as we stand and sing our invitation hymn, I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here. All you need to do is say, to come and say, I want to know that heaven is certain. I want to come to, Christ, uh, to God through Christ, his Son. If you need to make that decision, we'll be here waiting to teach you, to show you how you can trust Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here and you know God wants you to plant your membership in this place. He wants you to be part of the First Baptist Fellowship. Or maybe there's another decision you need to make. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. As God speaks, you come. Let's stand together. <laughs>